Welcome to Family Chemotherapy, a corner for parents and caretakers fighting and surviving pediatric cancer. I'm your host, Adriana Lewin. Hi, and welcome to Family Chemotherapy. I'm your host, Adriana Lewin. Um, I wanted to take some time and welcome you all back and let you know what today's topic is. We're going to be talking a little bit about the five love languages. And we also will be talking um, about a book that I've been reading through by Deborah Barr called Strength for the Cancer Journey. I just want to thank everyone for joining me. And you're probably wondering why in the world I'm going to be talking about the five love languages. Well, um, as you know, my family went through pediatric cancer. And so during the time we all felt so empty at times and interacting with one another could be a challenge. And so the five love languages actually was brought up to me by my husband who said, Hey, you should talk about this because this really talks about how we try and fill each other's love cup while we are going through a really traumatic event. So I thought that was a brilliant idea by my husband. Um, and so I reached out and I was able to get a speaker to come talk to us about the five love languages. So joining us today, we have Deborah Barr. She is a, an author and she has written six books. And the most recent one is the one strength for the cancer journey. Thank you so much for joining us today, Deborah. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, about yourself? Uh, my pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Well, you've pretty much hit all the high points in your introduction. Um, I am a writer. I've been a writer since I graduated from college and um, has been my dream to write books. And I'm so grateful that I've had the opportunity to do that. Um, one of them was keeping love alive as memories fade, the five love languages and the Alzheimer's journey which I co-authored with Gary Chapman, who has been my friend for 40 some years and also my pastor. So I kind of have a handle on this love languages thing just because um, as a member of his church, it's been something you know, that we've understood and you know, practiced and heard about for, for really decades. So it's my pleasure to talk to you about maybe how to apply that. Um, related to cancer and especially pediatric cancer. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm so looking forward to it. So I think the the best place to start would be, let's talk about what the five love languages are. You mentioned doc, Dr. Gary Chapman is the one who authored the book, The Five Love Languages. Can you talk a little bit more about what that is for the listeners who have never actually heard of the five love languages before? Sure, absolutely. So the five love languages are really the five main ways that individuals perceive emotional love. And those five ways are so distinct and different from each other that you could literally, well, not literally, metaphorically <laughs> consider them um, as languages. It's like one person speaking English, one person is speaking Chinese. And just like in real life, if you were speaking Chinese and I were speaking English, the best way for me to cross over the communication uh, path to you would be to speak your language to you. And that's really the key to using the five love languages. Um, we all naturally reach out to other people in our own love language, the one that makes the most sense to us, the one that means the most to us. But in order to really have love be perceived and received by the other person, what we have to train ourselves to do is speak their love language. Mm -hmm. And that's the hard part. Um, we understand, once we understand what the five are, we all, we recognize them. And as Gary Chapman would say, you can receive love in all five languages, it's just that one or two usually resonate more deeply with you. So um, I guess just to give a quick overview for your listeners, um, just explaining what they are. Is that where I should go next? Do you yes. Think? Let's okay. talk about each love language individually. 
Okay, so just just real quickly, I'll name them. These are in no particular order. There's not one superior love language. They're all different and they're all valid. It just kind of depends how you're wired. So I'll say the names of them quickly. One is quality time. Another is gifts. Another is words of affirmation, physical touch and acts of service. So a person whose love language is quality time feels most loved when somebody gives them their undivided attention. So that could be quality conversation, you know, sharing thoughts and feelings and really listening to that other person, or it could be quality activities, you know, memory making experiences, um, like taking your kids to Disney or, you know, dinner out at that very special restaurant. So quality time is when you and your family members are just really focused in on each other. And that for some people meets their deepest need for love. Um, the next one gifts is when someone gives um, something either tangible or intangible to a person. And if their love language is gifts, it's that visible symbol of love that meets that need for them. So, you know, the engagement ring in our culture, um, that's your classic um, gift of love, but it could also be a birthday present or a photograph, you know, just something tangible that that person can put on their desk or hang on their wall or, you know, wear as jewelry, something tangible. Could be as yeah. small as like a piece of gum from the store, right? Could yes, could be could be as sweet and innocent as a daisy in the field picked just for you because it doesn't have to be purchased to be a gift. You know, it yeah. could be something you find, you know, or something you hand make. You mentioned an a tangible and intangible gift. What would be an example of an intangible gift? An intangible gift is the gift of your presence. Meaning you show up at the party, you show up at the funeral, you come to visit that person who's sick or in prison, um, you show up in a time of crisis or illness or celebration, and you become the gift. And that's not real far off from quality time, but it is kind of its own special kind of gift. So... We've done quality time and gifts. Words of affirmation would be the next one. Um, a person who has that love language receives love best through words. And as a writer, um, that's my key love language. And the words could be spoken or they could be written, but they're usually unsolicited compliments like, wow you did a great job decorating for that party or wow, you look really great in that dress. You know, something where you're just affirming what the person did or how they appear, but it could also be, you know, just words of encouragement. Like with kids, one of my favorite things to do is catch your child doing something good <laughs> mm -hmm. and then use that as an opportunity to give them some praise. Like, John, it was so kind of you to share your cookie with Abby, or I'm so proud of the way you did your chores today without any complaining, you know, just catch them doing something good and affirm them. And if, if this is their love language, that's going to really resonate in that little heart. Um, another love language is physical touch, which is literally coming in contact with that other person. It's deliberate. Um, or it could be just incidental. By deliberate, I mean something that requires your full attention to deliver like a hug or a high five or um, a back rub. Incidental can be you're just passing by and you just tap that person on the shoulder. Or when you're watching TV, you make a point of sitting really close together mm -hmm. so that they can, you know, feel your, your presence physically. Um, and I like this one because, you know, as you read the Gospels, you know, Jesus touched people. He held little children on his lap. Um, he touched lepers. He touched people nobody else would touch. And if some of those people way back then had the love language of physical touch, you know that God in his wisdom was delivering that on purpose. Mm -hmm. So then the final one um, is acts of service. And um 
some people such as myself whose love language is very different find this one a bit odd <laughs> but it's a real it's a real legitimate love language um it's just doing things for another person to lighten their load it could be unloading the dishwasher or picking up the kids from school or taking the list and going and buying the groceries um and so for those folks who have this love language you know hugs are nice gifts yeah. are appreciated <laughs> kind words are welcome but if you don't run that vacuum cleaner <laughs> they're not feeling the love i laugh because my husband's love language is acts of service and mine is words of affirmation and um um what they call bilingual right the words of affirmation and physical touch so it's always funny you know even just this week I said, look, honey, I made you your lunch, right? <laughs> because normally he goes, does his own thing, works out, whatever, and then comes back into the house and he's rushed trying to get back to work. And so yesterday I was like, you know what? Or it wasn't yesterday, it was a few days ago. I said, you know what? I'm already making lunch for the kids. I can go ahead and make your lunch today. Um, and he said, great, thank you, right? And so I prepared him his, his meal and let him go off to work. And so we talked about it later. I was like, I made your lunch. I don't mind making your lunch. I know that's your love language. He goes, yeah. You know, and he said something along the lines of like, that's why I, every morning I set out your vitamins for you and, you know, like do all the little things for me, like to get me ready for the morning. And, um, and I'm like, I know, I know, honey, thank you so much. You know, I, I see that I see what you're doing. And so, um, his, he struggles more to speak my love language because <laughs> especially with words of affirmation being like, I would say my strongest one. Um, it's like, honey, I'm constantly saying, honey, I love you. And he's like, I love you too. And I'm like, I really wish you would tell me that you love me spontaneously throughout the day. <laughs> you know? And he's like, I tell you that I love you at nighttime. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but there's something to be said about just being randomly told that you're loved by someone during the day. Cause I do that all day long to all of my kids and him. And I'm just, that's my love language. I just say, Oh, I love you. You're such a great person, you know? <laughs> so it's funny. Yeah. You're, you're doing what we all naturally do is that that's just the channel the love flows out of in your yeah. case. And, and when it flows back to you in that same channel that it just all the cylinders fire, I, yep. I get it. I get it. So you're absolutely uh, right about linking this, I think with the cancer journey. Yeah. So that transitions, transitions, I can't, I can't say the word transitions us into why the five love languages during the cancer journey. And so, you know, basically being a pediatric cancer family, you are stretched so thin in so many different ways. Um, there's an element that's different to this than just a regular adult cancer journey, because we have the added element of having to be emotional and financial support for our children as well. And so we have to dedicate our time to the person that's in the hospital, in all the appointments, you know, cause it's literally months jam packed with all sorts of appointments all the time. And so that pulls me away from my other kids. It also pulls me away from my spouse because I'm having less time with him, but less quality time. Because when we are together, there is that stress between the two of us or with both of us, not between the two of us, but with both of us, we're both really stressed about the situation at hand, you know? And so the love languages I just felt were so interesting to help me provide that extra level of, I guess, like protection on that relationship that I have with like my children and my spouse, but especially with my children, 
I think my spouse is important. Don't get me wrong, but I think it, it's easier with him because he can communicate his needs and whatnot. Right. We can, it's easier for us to read each other because we're both adults, but with your children, you've got some kids who start feeling neglected. They miss mommy. They don't see her. And so how do you still nourish their, you know, their, their inner child? How do you nourish that child? Um, and all the needs that they have while you are away, you know? And so for, I know, I think I figured it out. Like my cancer child, um, or he's not really, he's a warrior. He's surviving. Yay. Um, but one of his love languages is for sure. Physical touch. I mean, that kid, he was all about coming up to me, snuggling with me, mommy, kiss me, kiss me right here on my neck, you know, and he's, he just loves the tickly feeling. And so like, he asked for kisses all the time. Um, my oldest one, I'm going to say probably he leans towards, I'm going to say words of affirmation and quality time. Um, he is all about making sure that he's seen and he, he'll usually go around saying, mommy, I'm, I'm trying to think of some of the things that I tell him, like, I fill him with words of affirmation. And then I, I hear him turn around and say, I'm just, I'm a good problem solver. That's, there we go. That's it. One of the ones, instead of saying good job to my child, I'm like, oh, way to go. Such a great problem solver. Look at those great problem solving skills. And so often he'll come up to me and go, mommy, I'm a good problem solver. <laughs> and so um, I think I'm picking up that his is predominantly words of affirmation with quality time because he really likes that quality time with people. And then my youngest daughter, she's still kind of to be determined for me <laughs> because she's so, she's so little, she's two and a, well, she'll be three soon, but, um, she does love snuggling with mommy, but she's also, you know, she's so little. So it's kind of hard to tell. Cause a lot of little kids really love that one-on-one -on -one time. So, um, so yeah, so those are my three situations where I have, and we definitely have tried to implement some of the love languages with our children during this to help them feel loved and feel like, Hey, I'm still present. And I still love you, even though I have to be apart from you, or I'm not, even though I'm giving you the gift of myself, I'm really not giving you the gift of myself because my mind is so stressed and worried and thinking about all the other things that have to be done during treatment. So, um, can we talk about maybe what that could look like? Um, the love language is ways that parents could do some act to fill their child's love language or their spouse's love language during a crisis like pediatric cancer. Yeah. So I'm impressed, um, that you have paid really specific attention to each of your children so that you pretty much know the love language of the older ones and the, the youngest one, it's kind of still under observation. And I just wanted to affirm that um, no, because you. that's exactly um, the recommendation um, that Dr. Chapman would give you. Um, and the reason I'm, I'm kind of pulling back to focus on that for just a second is that, you know, in order to meet each individual child's needs during this, you know, cancer journey with your one child, it really would require you to be very um, child specific because you're short on time. Your love tank is being drained, um, but you have another adult to fill it. So it's a bit of, um, it needs to be very intentional. Just, just, I think it sounds like you're doing a great job of, but I just wanted to throw out a couple of um, thoughts on making it intentional. To make it intentional and most effective, you would need to know pretty well what the target love language is for yes. each child. And so the idea with under, under the age of five, that child really can't give you the kind of feedback that you need to really discern which language it is. So the idea is under the age of five, and um, this is thrown back to my other 
book that has absolutely nothing to do with cancer, but with, with people struggling with dementia, you, because they regress and become like small children, you do it exactly the same with very um, cognitively challenged people and children under five is you speak all five love languages to those people. And then you just observe what lights them up, you know, what seems to resonate. And as they grow, you, you tend to, you build um, evidence, I guess, in your own mind for which love language it is. After the age of five, um, it's a bit of detective work in four areas, which I, I always think this is so interesting. Um, number one, just like with adults, children tend to speak naturally their own love language when they're trying to reach out to somebody else. Mm -hmm. So you've already observed that. So when they want to show love to somebody else, stand back and watch do they draw them a picture and give them a gift or do they reach out and get snuggly or do they say, watch me, watch me, you know? Um, so you're already doing that. The second thing, just to pause, sorry. Um, yeah. the watch me, watch me for those, you know, that are not so familiar with five love languages, what would that be most equivalent to? I'm thinking it would probably be I'm thinking quality time. That's what I was leaning towards. Yeah, like quality because present they're wanting, time. They're wanting to draw you into whatever it is they're enjoying. They mm -hmm. want to experience that with you, you know, so watch me put this puzzle together or watch me climb this tree or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. They're, they're wanting to draw you in. That would be my guess. Um, but if they're looking for verbal affirmation, obviously that would be, you know, words of affirmation. So did you see me hit the ball or um, do I look pretty in this little ballet outfit or whatever it is, you know, they're, they're trying to draw from you verbal affirmation. So that might be a little harder to distinguish. Okay. So you're saying if they are saying, watch me, watch me, what is the motive behind the watch me? Are they asking for, Hey, did you see me do this for a verbal affirmation verse? Hey, just watch me like have fun, <laughs> you know, just watch yeah. me have fun and jump yeah, around be with me, be yeah. with me in this, yeah. you know, or, or maybe more of an invitation, mommy, would you put this puzzle together with me? Yeah. Now that's quality time. The okay. with me part is definitely quality time. Okay. So yeah, the observation is super important. The second thing is, um, notice what they complain about, because if they're complaining something like, um, you're always so busy, or we never go to the park anymore. What they're asking you for is quality time. So what they're complaining about is important. And then what they choose. Um, if you said for your birthday, would you rather have this present or would you rather spend the day doing something fun with me? And so you're asking them to choose between gifts and quality time, you know, to kind of set up a choice so that their choose that their choice is probably going to reflect their love language. So those are just a few tips on on because once you know the target, then you can get creative about how to hit the target. Yeah. If once you know their love language, you can brainstorm all kinds of ways to hit that. And um, you might be familiar with it, but there there is a book called The Five Love Languages of Children. Yeah, I have heard of it. Um, I don't know if I've read it yet or purchased it, but I kind of, you know, with my therapy background, I kind of deduced kind of what that would look like, but I know it would be a fantastic book to read. I've actually thought about buying it recently because I'm like, well, I guess this could be really helpful, you know, learning going forward more concrete examples of how I can better show my children love and how to better identify their love languages. Cause yeah, 
It yeah, never and, and obviously, you know, that looks a little different as they get into the teenage years. So not surprisingly, mm-hmm. there's a book on the five love languages of teenagers as well. Oh, that's great. <laughs> but the question I had um, for Dr. Chapman was, do your love languages change? And his answer was, no, you know, if something makes you feel loved when you're five, it's probably going to make you feel loved when you're 95. I mean, it's kind of, he sees it as something hardwired into your temperament and your personality. That's, that's really amazing. Cause I, I would agree. I think I would agree on that. You know, um, I'd say my love languages as a child was definitely seeking out words of affirmation from as little as, gosh, I think I was like five or six years old and I would go and clean up, you know, the, the, under the stair hallway. I don't know if you have stairs or not, or if you, what area of the U S that you live in, but here we have like, instead of a basement underneath a stairwell, it's, um, just a little space, like a storage space. And so I remember being younger and making very, intentional efforts to clean up the closet and go show my mom and be like, look, (laughs) I lined up Mm -hmm. all the shoes. So yeah. Yeah. I would say I agree with that. Yeah. Um, I, I would imagine that it kind of takes different forms, you know, as we grow and mature, but I think the root is always the same. You know, so, so the creative part of this, um, I had never really thought about the love languages in the context of cancer. Yeah. Um, but it does require, I think, a lot of creativity, a lot of intentional um, application of energy, because you're probably quite exhausted and depleted and concerned, you know, and you've got multiple kids and a husband. So there's a lot of um, output and maybe not as much input, you know? So what you and your husband are talking about seems really, really good as far as filling each other, um, the love tank. Yeah. You know, the love languages, in my opinion, are a really fantastic way to stay connected with one another, feel connected, you know, you are connected, but to feel connected with your spouse and your children, because it is so much time away from your, your family and so much stress. And like you said, so much output that it gets really overwhelming to feel any input, um, at all. You, sometimes you don't feel it, even though there is input coming in, but I want to say that with my kids, for example, um, I, I have implemented it so that they're not feeling left out. Um, they are equally stressed. They are equally as scared, even though they don't vocalize it. Um, they're very confused. My youngest daughter has been very confused as to why I went from being with her every single day, 24 hours a day to having days apart, you know, just very suddenly. And then constantly saying, I'm going to the doctor, we're going to the doctor. So literally even now, even though we stopped seeing the doctors often, and we haven't been to a doctor appointment in weeks, I'll go tuck her in for a nap and she'll be like, mommy, go to doctor. And I'm like, no, baby, I'm not going to the doctor today. You know? So it, it, it becomes a new norm, but they're, you know, it's just, it's hard to continue to fill their love tank if, and have them feel loved if I don't know what that is. And so, like you said, being very intentional, like we've had to be very intentional in how we try and identify it. Like you said, um, And a lot of that is just observation, just what they seem, but I forgot the element of listening to the complaints, you know, um, one of my kids is he'll say, mommy, like, so there's a lot of sleep regression going on in my house. So I don't want people to judge me because of the sleep regression that was caused by cancer. But basically we have to lay down with our children 
when before they were fine. Like we could say goodnight, kiss them, tuck them in, close the door. They were good. And now we have to literally lay down till they all fall asleep because it was part of what cancer has done. And like our oldest one would say, well, why does, um, why does my sibling get to sleep next to you guys? I want to sleep next to one of my parents. And then it became mommy. Why don't you sleep with me? Like, mommy, I want to spend more time with you. Mommy, I want to sleep with you. Mommy, I want to read books with you because mommy was, mommy has been the one that's going to all the appointments and at the hospital overnights. And, and so it's taken a toll. And so being very, trying to be very intentional, it's kind of hard for us to manage that side on the, on the sleeping side, just because my, my child who was going through cancer, he knows how to be very persistent about getting what he wants. And that's having us, you know, having mommy be the one to start out sleeping with him. So, but I, I have been trying to apply some of those love languages so that my oldest does feel connected when maybe he, he's missing out also, you know, like when he misses mommy and, and whatnot, if I can make him feel the most loved and kind of I don't want to say drown him with my love, you know, cause that sounds so terrible, but just like completely. <laughs> I get you. <laughs> Do what? I get you. Yeah. Like completely pour myself into him the best way for him to get the most, you know, that greatest relief of, Hey, my mommy loves me and I feel loved. Like I try and try and do that, you know? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, with the children, it's definitely easy. I, and when you mentioned something about the complaining part, I, I want to bring that back to light, um, in terms of a relationship, like with your spouse, because the two parents are going to be super stressed during a cancer, pediatric cancer treatment and everything that goes on. And so unfortunately it's very common to hear that this can cause families to separate. Like it can cause parents to separate and divorce because of the amount of stress that they're under in, in the marriage. And furthermore, my opinion is that they are not feeling loved by their spouse, right? Because you're not really giving the best of yourself. You're kind of in crisis mode and you're wanting to receive more than give, right? And so it's like how, like I need something to fill my love cup to help me feel loved and nurtured during a time where I feel like the whole world is chaotic. And it can create a lot of tension in your marriage if you aren't being intentional. And it sounds exhausting when I'm sitting here saying this, like, okay, I know you've got a lot going on, but now you have to be very intentional on how you show love to your children and show love to your spouse and go out of your way and think about how to do all these things. And so I know it sounds overwhelming, but there's just little teeny tiny, like if you can identify the name, the main thing would be right. Identify through observation, but through the complaining during this process, I think it's going to be the complaining, you know, because, well, we haven't, you know, you haven't held my hand in a long time, or we haven't had, you know, intimacy in a long time, or we haven't, um, for me, it's honey, like I need to hear verbal affirmations for me. Right. Personally. I'm like, I just need to feel verbal affirmations. My husband might be like, gosh, you're not really cooking dinner. Like we're <laughs> like, we used to eat a meal that you prepped and now we're not doing dinners like we used to or something, you know? So hearing the complaints of our spouse can help us better creatively think of on how you can connect with your spouse so that you both start feeling more connected with one another. Right. I think so. And, you know, as you, as I hear you talk, the thing that I'm thinking is that it's also important to think about your own love language and to remember that your spouse and your immediate family are not the only sources of getting that filled. You know, um, I'm sure it's hard to find time <laughs> with, with um, other friends 
or just, just to set aside time for you to take a walk or take a bubble bath or, you know, go mindlessly sweater shopping or Mm -hmm. whatever it is. But um, in, in some ways we can't, we can't, give what we don't have and somehow it's it's okay and i think it's appropriate to nurture yourself and to not leave yourself off the list you know um and i'm not exactly sure what to suggest but just knowing that you can't you can't give out of an empty tank which is why of course we need to do that for each other but sometimes you know, a, a piece of that is your, your personal walk with God. A piece of that is your friendships. A piece of that is just what, what nurtures you, you know, do you need a nap? (laughs) (laughs) Do you need, um, you know, to go jog or, you know, whatever it is, um, to replenish your own soul, your own self, uh, I think equips us to reach out better to other people because sometimes when you're already feeling um overwhelmed that word you used when you're Mm -hmm. already feeling overwhelmed to know that your spouse needs more than you can give is a terrible feeling Mm -hmm. and so i think it's okay um to put yourself back on the list yeah i think it's a very um it's a delicate balance, right? Where, how do you put yourself on the list when some of the love languages I think are about getting like, let's say verbal affirmations. I guess you can verbally affirm yourself, but it it doesn't have (laughs) the same impact as, as if it were coming from somebody else that you love, you know, but, um, it's just, yeah, it's, it's an interesting process. You know, when, when you give love, um, to somebody, when you show them love, especially in their love language, they receive that love and feel like their cup has been filled. And when their cup is more filled, they're going to be more willing and able. I can't even say just the willing aspect, the able, because when you're depleted, you're, you you have a hard time pouring out what you don't have in. And so when we are able to pour even just a little bit into someone's love cup and make it intentional, like, you know, reminding yourself to do it daily, maybe multiple times a day, figure out a way for that person to feel loved during the cancer treatment process, then it can only turn around and help the relationship when you are filling their love cup in their love language. And in turn, that helps you receive your love language, but your spouse, for example, is not going to know what your love language is if you don't flat out tell him and he's not familiar with the love languages. If you expect to pour love into your spouse and expect him to be like, you know, your source of love without direction, that's just going to backfire. And so you have to be intentional with your spouse and say, here are my top love languages. Let me give you examples on how I feel the most loved. Like, here's your love language. Here's mine. And we, my husband and I have that conversation all the time. Like I'm verbal affirmations, physical touch, and he is all about acts of service. And so for him, he has a harder time speaking my love language. It's less natural for him to vocalize affirmations. Like he feels like I should just know, (laughs) you know, And so vocalizing my affirmations is a little bit of a struggle for him. I feel like I know his love language. I don't really, I have to really think and be intentional and creative about how I want to fill his love language, which is acts of service. Um, but it just, so it feels so like not special to me because I already, I'm a, I stay at home with my kids I'm like, I make their meals every day. I just make sure that I tend to the house. So it's hard for me to think outside of the box of like, what outside of my day-to-day duties at home could I do to help him feel loved? You know, if this isn't already helping him feel loved. And I think that's having those 
very candid conversations of, hey, what is your love language? How are you, like, how can I best show you that I love you? Like, do you feel loved during the process? You know, do you feel loved and affirmed or supported by me? You know, how can I best do something for you this next week to help you feel more loved or to take something off your back, you know, because it's a, it's a, it's a tough process. There's a lot going on. Yeah. Quite a, quite a lot going on more than, you know, I can even appreciate. Um, although I've been very delved into adults and cancer, I'm not that delved into, you know, the whole pediatric experience of it, but as a mom, you know, I can kind of have empathy and put myself there. Um, as you were talking, uh, you mentioned what if someone isn't familiar with the love languages or maybe mm-hmm. their spouse isn't. Um, just, just as a starting point, if you go to fivelovelanguages.com, there are quizzes that you can download and take. And that's the, that's a great date night right there. It's mm-hmm. like download the quizzes. You take it, he takes it, and then you compare your answers and explain to each other what makes you feel loved and what doesn't make you feel loved. And because it can be like two ships passing in the night, you know, yes. Dr. Chapman has all these war stories of people sitting in his office and the, the woman is crying and it's like, he just doesn't, he just, I just don't feel like he cares. I, you know, he just doesn't love me. And he's like, what do you mean? I wash the car. I put gas in the car. I, you know, and she's mm-hmm. wanting quality time. And it's not that there was an effort and sincerity. It was just the wrong love language. So mm-hmm. it, it takes um, a while to get into that other person's world and walk around in there and yeah. understand where the furniture is mm-hmm. and what matters to that person. Um, it's not easy. The concept is easy, but putting it into practice isn't always easy. Yeah, you're right. It's definitely a learning process and it's, it helps it, um, be a little more easy and efficient when you have the other person take the test, (laughs) like you said, the quiz and who doesn't love a good quiz, right? I mean, I grew up (laughs) taking quizzes inside of magazines all the time. Like I would just buy magazines just to do like the little quizzes on the inside, you know? So, um, people love to hear, I, I don't, I'm like, people love to hear about themselves because they do. That's why we would take those quizzes. Tell me something about myself that I feel like someone sees me and understands me and can analyze me. Um, so learning your love language. Yeah. I feel like it's a fun, like you said, it's a fun date night. Like, Hey, let's just sit down and go through this. And it's a quick one, isn't it? It is. I think it's like 20, 20 to 40 questions. It's it's not that long. It might be, it might be 30, but it's, it's not long. It's two sides of a page. You know, the last time I looked at it, that's what I recall. Yeah. Um, And so not, not a whole, it's one of those things. It's like your first inclination is probably the right answer. Like don't, you know, deliberate for five minutes over a question just kind of go with it. And then in the conversation that follows, I think that's when the lights come on. Yes. When you really, oh, really? That matters to you? Wow. You know, I can do Yes. Yes. You're so right. It's like you learn about yourself. It helps you better ask for the love and support that you need. And then when you learn about your spouse, that is definitely a, oh my goodness. Wow. I had no idea because, you know, some of them are a little harder to tell. And sometimes we just don't analyze it and pay attention. And we haven't had the five love languages before where we're able to say, look, these are some really beautiful languages that people speak that help you feel loved. So yeah, you're right. The, the lights come on and it will, it can only help if the two people are both putting the effort in, you know? So yeah, that, that's a really, thank you. Thank you for sharing that source. I forgot all about the website. Um, so yeah. So I think, do you have anything else that you want to add on the five love languages? Well, you know, 
uh, it just popped in my mind um, as you said that. And in, in the situation of two parents dealing with a child with cancer, it might be really helpful. And that is there's now an app where you can uh, communicate with each other during the day. How, how's, your, how's your love tank? What's the level or what can you do? And I'm not sure, I've not used it, mm-hmm. but I know it's been out, I think for about a year. And it's, um, it's called the Love Nudge, I believe is the name of the app. Okay. And it's created for that very purpose to, to stay in touch. Like you mentioned, you know, even doing overnights at the hospital and, you mm-hmm. know, long gaps when you can't exactly hang on the phone, but you could quickly text and use this love nudge app, you know, to just kind of keep tabs on it. That, that would be a suggestion in your circumstance that might really be helpful. That's pretty awesome. I'm curious to see what the app is like. Um, Cause if it's in there and it's like, here's some ideas for your spouse today. If it gives you like pop-up reminders, <laughs> like here's a reminder, go show your spouse some love. <laughs> That'd be yeah, amazing. I've, I've not used it, but I'm aware of it. So um, yeah, I'll throw that out there in, in the circumstance of dealing with a child's cancer. It's a real tool you know, that just might be helpful. So I don't, I can't vouch for it, but I'm thinking, you know, I would certainly check it out. Yeah. So to kind of summarize the love languages, basically, um, there are different ways to show other people that you love them. So can you go through the five one more time? Cause it sure. takes me a while to spat them out. Yeah. I usually, if I try to do it completely from memory, I would just leave one out. So that's why yes. I have no, notes in front of me. Um, so the five are quality time, uh, meaning giving someone your undivided attention and that's eye contact and that's not checking your cell phone and that, you know, that's staying really focused on that person. Uh, gifts, you know, giving something tangible that reminds them that they're loved, something they can look at when you're not there. Mm-hmm. Another one would be words of affirmation, um, either spoken or written words. Physical touch, um, that's pretty self-explanatory, could be deliberate or intentional. And then acts of service, which is literally doing something for that person to take um, their load off. So those are the five. and. Um, being very intentional about the, the, the top one. Most of us, I think, have two or maybe even three that are significant, but almost everybody has one that stands out the most. Mm-hmm. And that would be the one, if you're short on time, <laughs> that, that would be the one to focus on with your spouse. So Dr. Gary Chapman is the author of The Five Love Languages and I highly recommend the book. Apparently they have also one for children. So if you want to be more intentional with your children, um, seek the five love languages for children and then one for teenagers as well. And the main five love languages is written geared towards mainly that relationship with a significant other or your coworkers and more adult geared relationships, but it can also, you can take the concept and still apply it to other people in your life. But I think the books will give you more concrete examples on how to one, identify the different love languages for your children, um, at the different stages of, uh, different ages that they're at and how to best implement it. And we all know teenage years are, you know, the most complicated years. And so for those who do have kids going through pediatric cancer during the teenage years, I highly recommend reading and purchasing the book just to help you find ways to connect with your teenage children when they are already in a stage where you feel less connected than you used to when they were younger. So, um, those would be some of the top things that I, I would re-summarize. The other one would be, um, and I didn't talk about this. So this would be a really great podcast episode for your sisters, the grandparents, uh, siblings of the, the adults, because I know that our support system is constantly trying to figure out how to better support us through this whole process and through the whole journey. Um, 
And if you are able to tell them about the love languages, if they're familiar with it and just be able to talk about where you could feel the most supported and the most loved during this journey, because like you mentioned, you don't only have to get it from your spouse or don't expect to get it from your children the way that you you know, most need it because they're not familiar with the love languages. So they're going to speak their love language to you. Um, but it might not help, you know, fill your love cup. So through the other people in your support system, your spouse and your parents and your, you know, siblings, the aunts, uncles, whatever, if they want to listen to this podcast to understand how to love on the kids and you, um, as the adult during a pediatric cancer journey, this would be a great podcast for them to kind of get some some ways to learn on how to help us. So, um, so I want to thank you so much for sharing the five love languages with us and talking about it and giving us some really good examples and, um, things to think about. So I, before we end the podcast, I did want to talk about your book strength for the cancer journey. And, um, I want to say how much I have enjoyed it. I wasn't sure. I'll be honest. I wasn't sure. Cause being in pediatric cancer, it's so, there's a lot of similarities. I get it. Um, but as a parent, there's dynamics that aren't, you know, included in a, in a person's pediatric, uh, or regular adult cancer journey. And so I was a little nervous about the book, but, um, I'm so glad that I've read through it because it has been actually kind of what I was looking for when I started my whole journey. Like I love the topics that you've talked about. So I want to give you a little bit of uh, an opportunity to share how you came up with the book and um, just tell us a little bit about your book. Well, thank you. Um, I'm blessed to hear what you've had to say. That encourages me. That's my words of affirmation yeah. <laughs> for the day. Thank you so much. Um, well, cancer uh, has been on my radar for a long time because both of my parents had cancer. And then about two years ago, someone I'm very close to at this point in my life got cancer. And watching that journey unfold just opened my eyes to how many, many, many people all around me have cancer. Mm -hmm. And I, my, my passion really is encouraging people to engage deeply with God when they're in a hard time. And the book really grew out of a desire um, to encourage people with cancer to do that, you know, in that hard time, in that hard cancer journey. So because I've never had cancer myself, and I certainly don't aspire to, <laughs> um, it seemed like the right thing to do, the smartest thing to do to kind of gather around me a little quote unquote panel of experts, mm -hmm. people who are on the journey. So I did that because I knew that I could speak to it, um, you know, from the far reaches of, you know, the, the grandstand, the top, the top rung looking down, but they could talk to it from personal experience. You know, they're in the trenches, they're on the journey. So that's what I did. I recruited um, eight people actually with various kinds of cancer, um, a whole range of ages, um, both genders, and let them talk about their very real ups and downs of walking with God through a potentially fatal health crisis. Mm -hmm. And every one of them is trusting God in a deep way that I think will encourage readers to do that also. So in a sense, they, they spoke that for me. My job was simply to cobble together the interviews I did with them and scripture and, you know, just kind of the, the, the common threads that emerged. Um, it's like when you do qualitative research, you know, you look for the, the common threads that emerge from the mm -hmm. people that you talk to. So that's what I tried to do. Um, listen to them, pull the common threads and take the topics in that direction. I absolutely, I mean, I, I'm telling you, I really do love this book. Um, I do like, even in the areas where I don't necessarily, I'm not physically going through 
cancer myself, but when it's your child, it's almost like you are, it's almost like you are minus all the like really terrible side effects. I don't have the, you know, the nausea and all that other stuff. Like I don't have to deal with that, but I have to witness it and I have to, um, manage it. Like I have to manage making sure I catch my kid, you know, when he's getting sick or what medication to, to ask the doctors for, to help alleviate some of his symptoms. But a lot of the things, even though they were written for the perspective of someone going through cancer, like I have related to, to a lot of them. Like I have literally been like, that's weird that I'm, I'm relating to that's, that was the moment actually that I was like, I'm relating to this as though I went through the cancer myself, minus the physical side effects, like all the emotional turmoil that I've Mm -hmm. had has been like, as as though I have been through the cancer myself as a parent, which is yeah, That's love. I mean, that's a mother's love. You know, it's, it's almost like, and I'm sure you would say, I'd rather go through this for you yeah, to your child. But since you can't, your, your empathy is so strong that it is almost like it's you. So I'm happy to hear that the book is, is rising up to meet you there. Yeah. It's definitely something for people. It is like, like you mentioned, it is a Christian book, right? So for those who, um, are okay with that, I highly recommend the book. I know not everyone that listens is a Christian, um, or they might not be at that point in their faith life where reading scripture would encourage them. This isn't really in your face scripture. This is a let me tell you what I've basically, I'm going to open, I have the book here with me. So I'll give an example, I guess. Um, one of them is sing, it says sing. And basically when I read that one, um, it talks about singing, um, praises when you're not necessarily able to pray. And that really resonated with me because I know there were times that I really struggled to pray and, or not that I struggled to pray, but it was like, I struggled knowing how to pray if that makes sense. Like, how do I pray for something like this? Like let God's will be done versus um, what my heart's desire is and being willing to accept whatever happens. Right. Um, And what that would do to your faith life really. And so being able to reading through this uh, recently and realizing like my way of praying was always singing. I would put music on and actually I couldn't even sing. So it was literally singing through the depths of my soul, like listening to music and letting that be my prayer. Because often when I would try and sing the songs of praise, like I would just bawl, like I would literally cry. Um, I couldn't get through music and I love singing. Like I've always been someone who like people that know me personally, know me as a girl that would sing, you know? So, um, so yeah, things in here, it gives you, you know, for the readers, basically, it just gives you really good, um, reflections on things that we feel and how God can maybe meet us there. And it's not go read your Bible. You just need to have more faith, you know, because that's what we get told, Um, as parents, just have faith, just have faith, believe in God, you know, God will give you a miracle, but you know, when you're kind of struggling with everything, it's hard to find your foothold on, on how to pray for some people. Cause some people do like, why would God do this and, and want to turn away? But some people have it in their, in their being to say, I don't know why God is doing this. And I don't know how to get beyond this, to continue my faith life. You know, like I can't figure out how to pray to him because I'm mad at him, you know, but I still love him and I still believe in him, but I'm mad at him. And I can't believe that I'm going through this and that my child's going through this and that he would allow this type of pain in our family. And so this is just a very gentle way, in my opinion, of giving some some scripture and just a thought to think about with that scripture. So I, I'm, I can't give you enough praise. It's just a really wonderful book. So thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I really do. It's such a hard journey. It is. And there's really only two ways to go through it. You can go through it in your own strength, or you can go through it leaning on the strength of God 
And it's like, why would you not want the extra help is kind of my thought. So that's, that's, I think what pushed me over the edge to go ahead and write it. So thank you for your affirmation. Yeah. So I have posted this book on my website. Um, and I've posted it on some of my social media, um, encouraging people to buy it. So, um, thank you for writing this. And I just, um, I hope it continues to bring other families, especially like mine, a source of comfort and just a place to really process that spiritual walk that they have during cancer. So thank you so much. It's certainly written from my heart and written from the sidelines, but I hope that I let uh, people on the journey really speak to it. And I, you know, from what I can tell, I, I think they have. So my job was to put it together. Their job was to put their story out there. And so we collaborated. If you have found this podcast helpful, or you just love the mission for family chemotherapy, please kindly rate this podcast. If you want to support this podcast and ministry, please consider becoming a patron. You can visit patreon.com forward slash family chemotherapy. You can become a patron for as little as $3 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee. Also, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest for additional resources that I do share daily. Please tag and share your friends and other pediatric cancer families that you think would benefit from any of the content from family chemotherapy. Thank you, and I can't wait to share the next episode. Together, we can help heal the whole family.